Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Didn't you just kind of, I was just like, I was about ready to doze, but I got two Red Bulls, so that ain't happening. All right. So let's stand, hold our Bibles up. Are we online yet, Jacob? Are we? That'd be no. So people who are in their pajamas are just going to hell. I mean, no, they're just not going to watch today. Gotcha. Okay. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. It's a great confession. You can get up and do it every morning when you read your Bible, and I know you do. Uh, Might as well. Hey, as you see some cameras going around, I want you to know that uh, we are doing that for the sake of having more photos for social media to present to people that don't attend at this time what's going on inside the walls. So prayerfully, it's not a distraction. I think they're very discreet in how they do it. And for those of you who are interested in photography and learning more about how to uh, photograph those kinds of pictures, we do have a course that is taught by our sound guy uh, on Mondays, I believe. But you can check at the information booth. The idea is we live in a world that is so driven by pictures and thoughts and quotes and you know, just everything like that, snap, chat, snap, shot, snap your head off. Anyway, so that's my neighborhood. <laughs> so anyway, we, we, we're in that kind of world uh, that uh, we want to make sure that those pictures get out to the world in which we live. So that's what's going on there. Uh, we have been doing a series for the last couple of weeks, and we will continue through the rest of this month, doing a series on fear or overcoming fear. As I've stated on many occasions, every one of us has some sort of stronghold, call it fear, apprehension, that often keeps us from doing things that we want to do and things that we know that we're supposed to do. And those fears will not only uh, rob you, me, of our destiny, but they will become generational weaknesses, or as the Bible calls them, generational curses that will be passed down from one generation to the other. To some degree, we are all a product of the environment in which we grew up in, and we all grew up in dysfunctional homes. If you had a functional home, I can point you to some churches that think they're functional, Um, but this is a dysfunctional church filled with dysfunctional people. Hello? I think we flip-flopped here. Y'all, did you come from another church? Because I gave you every opportunity to join with me on this one. Just a messed up from the neck up, need a checkup from the neck up. I mean, you know, that's just who we are. And all the world is that way. The problem is that when we live in denial, we never change. So if we deny certain things in our lives that are very visible to to others, not that others' opinions should drive us or change us, but other people's opinions should at least cause us to take a look at ourselves and see if there's any truth to what's being said. So, you know, I, I get unsolicited opinions every week because I'm a pastor. And, you know, some of those I go, that, that could be accurate. And, and some of them I go, even if it is accurate, I'm not sure I want to change it because I don't see anything wrong with it because some people want me to change to be more like them. Isn't that what we 
we often want people to do because we're uncomfortable with people who are different than us. So a lot of fears begin with the opinions of other people. And, and you sometimes embrace those opinions that they may not be true, but uh, you just don't want the people to keep thinking that way about you. And so you start changing. You become uncomfortable. You're not yourself. And when you're not yourself, you even become more uncomfortable. I am me. I say things that probably sometimes should not be said. I definitely say things other pastors don't say. And I'm not going to apologize for those things anymore because I think they're what make me who I am. Um, and, and I think sometimes we've, we've, we've created this, this uh, church in a box where everybody is going to need to be the same. And I thank God for all the different churches that have different personalities and, uh, you know, that, that uh, maybe are, are different. I, I just feel like that uh, it's not my job to critique or criticize other churches or other people. It's my job to present Christ and his love to all the world. And, uh, but, but the, one of the fears, the, one of the things that fear does is fear creates judgment and criticism. When you criticize somebody, when you judge someone else, you're afraid that the way they're living might be right. And if you can attack it and they can change, then you can stay in your own little world living the way that you live. So that's the reason I don't, I don't judge other churches if that works for them and that's the way they want to live then that's fine, and I, I'm thankful they're preaching Jesus. But I grew up in a full gospel church that, that all of us were going to hell unless we got lucky or won the lottery. And honestly, the people that attended the church I grew up in were not happy people, they, or at least their countenance did not show any joy whatsoever. The preacher was a really good man. I think he had a great heart. His tensions were really good. And, you know, uh, I think back in that day, the goal was to scare the hell out of people. I used hell in the proper context. I may not later, but that was proper. Um, and so the idea was, I love you so much that I want to scare you and keep you from doing the stupid things you're doing so that you don't have to go to hell. Well, that didn't work well for me because I was always the happy guy. I didn't have a lot to be happy about, but I just thought being happy is better than being unhappy. Yeah, and it was a choice, and I lived in a, a very lower middle-class neighborhood, grew up in a rough neighborhood, walked four blocks to school, uh, had to pass fight corner on the way home, uh, and on the way to school, on the way home. Uh, life was really pretty much about learning to survive, and, and uh, it, was, it was just that kind of neighborhood. So when I went to church, nobody went to the church I went to, and I was scared to death to invite them. Because, you know, it was scary sometimes. My church was just scary. It was like Halloween year-round. <laughs> we should have been Church of the Halloween because <laughs> we were Halloween. Anyway, so, anyway, it's the Red Bull. I got two cans today. Um, so, anyway, the, the thing I want to address today is, again, how to handle the fear in our life and not be overcome by the fear in our life. But there, it all begins, believe it or not, Fighting fear with fear. So today, we're going to learn to fight fear with fear. That makes no sense. Yeah, it does. We're going to fight the fear of man with the fear of the Lord. We're going to fight the fears that we possess with the fear of the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord is, it's throughout the Bible, we see that we're supposed to fear the Lord. Now, the challenge with the English language is it's so restricted. For instance, if I were in this culture to tell anyone I love them, that, that meaning is, in our culture, in our language, pretty one-dimensional. However, in the Greek language, it had three meanings. It had eros, agape, and phileo. 
So if I came up to you and I said, I eros you, that would mean uh, there was a sexual love. If I agape you, there is a God love. If I phileo you, there is a friendship love. And so it was very well defined in that day. And when someone said, I love you, you understood what kind of love they were offering you. In our world today, we, we don't have that. And so when we talk about fear, in the biblical language, it's a similar way. Fear of the Lord doesn't mean be afraid of the Lord. It means reverence Him, respect Him, and honor Him. So I can say to you that, that you need to respect the Lord. You go, yeah, okay, I get that. Uh, you, reverence the Lord, you okay. But when I say fear of the Lord, in the old day, my preacher would preach that like, you really ought to be afraid because, you know, God's Almighty, He's coming back and He's not happy. I mean, that's the way a lot of churches have preached the Lord. He's coming back someday and he's going to sort this whole mess out, and you're probably not going to be a part of it. So why would I want to go to church where there was no encouragement that I could be a part of his return, his rapture, if you will, which theologians say was word rapture is not in the Bible, get all that, but there is a second coming. He will come again. Now, that scares some of you when I say that because right now you're measuring your eternity based on your performance instead of your eternity based on faith in his performance. And that the faith in his performance and faith in him is what this is all about. And so when I heard that and when I learned that, that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, it changed everything for me. Now I could begin to reverence, respect, and honor the Lord or fear the Lord in a way that was healthy and not unhealthy. In other words, I never have to be afraid of God. And some people are scared to death of God. They call the hurricanes acts of God. No, they're acts of nature. The, the orbits are put in place. They're not acts of God. And whenever news people say that, my Christianity goes on the shelf, and I want to reach out and strangle someone in the name of the Lord. <laughs> That's my flesh because I don't want them blaming my father for something he didn't do. He gave us the world. He put it in motion. He put two people in what's called the Garden of Eden, this Garden of Beauty, and said, you can eat from any tree, any, anything in this garden except one tree. What do we do? It's like telling a kid, don't touch the lamp. You shut up and he won't touch it. But tell him not to and the lamp becomes the center of his focus. That's what children do because they're a part of the fallen nature. So that's what God puts them in the garden. He says, don't eat from the tree. He said, any other tree can eat. But God was doing that because he knew that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil would be more than we could, we could even, we didn't have the capacity to handle because we would then have to choose good and evil. And God knew that was not going to work, and it hasn't worked now for thousands of years. Eat from the tree of life. So today we're going to talk about the fear of the Lord. And uh, Acts chapter 9, the apostle Paul, who was previously Saul, who was a Pharisee of Pharisees, according to the book of Philippians, which means he followed the law to the letter. Now here's the problem with church today and what I call religion is that many organizations are still very religious. If somebody comes into a church, you're expected to act the way that church acts, wear what that church wears, and, and all of those different religious rules. You know, some churches don't allow women to wear pants in the church, and you say, well, I've never been to one of those. I believe you haven't. It's why you're here. And so... You know, there are all these rules, and if you don't follow those rules, then you're, you don't get to be a part of that organization. And that's, that's religion. And, and that means that we're creating rules and designing rules really to protect us 
from us instead of trusting God. That's the reason that I've never told anyone what to wear or not to wear, just to wear something. I said, come as you are. One day a guy took me up on that, came in a striped robe with nothing on under it. Somebody in the church had the blessed experience of noticing. And so we didn't kick him out. He came in. We just asked him to tie the robe. And I just preached like he wasn't commando. I know some of you will need to Google that. And so at the end of the worship experience, he gave his life to Jesus. What if I would have kicked him out because he didn't dress like us, didn't look like us? So the idea wasn't to get him to be afraid of us and our rules, but to introduce him to the fear of the Lord, which means how much God loves him. And if God loves you, how many of you know when someone loves you, you kind of want to honor them? You know, you just kind of want to respect them because they love you in the midst of your mess and who you are. And so this fear of the Lord thing is new to a lot of people. Uh, it's, it's like God is a jealous God. It doesn't mean God doesn't want you to love other people or love other things. It just means God loves you so much he wants your attention. God is whole. God is wholesome. And we need to understand the fear of the Lord is a great thing. So here's what happens in Acts chapter 9. Paul... Uh, who was Saul, was there holding coats when they stoned Stephen. He was a part of the group of people that was going around and killing people who were following Christ. So people that knew of Paul and they had heard of him were afraid of him. So here's what happens. Verse 23, after many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord, and the Lord had spoken to him, and how Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers living in the fear of the Lord. Living in the fear of the Lord. Not visiting it, not pondering it, but living in it because Paul was bringing a new theology to this region. Paul had had an experience with Christ on the Damascus Road and he's bringing a new theology. Now, anytime you introduce a theology that is foreign to someone, they will initially resist it and let me tell you why. Because by our human nature desires to create rules and keep the rules so that we can impress God. That's what religion is. Man's efforts to impress God. Christianity or faith is God's successful desire to impress humanity. And he did by giving his son. Jesus did by giving his life. And so whenever you introduce a thought of grace forgiveness, mercy, and somebody has grown up under judgment, the law, legalism. It's very difficult because I've heard people say this. 
Well, you know, you talk about grace just so you can do whatever you want. Grace does two things. Grace empowers and grace covers. And we need the empowerment of grace. When that fails in us because we fail, then we have a grace that covers. But religious people don't like grace because they think people are going to take advantage of what God has offered. And they're right. I'm going to take advantage of what God has offered. I want grace. Not that I want to displease God because I have a fear of the Lord, which means I reverence Him. I understand. I've been bought with a price. My life no longer belongs to me, but I still have flesh. Can I get an amen? amen? We have moments in our lives where we just can't help ourselves. You want to buy something and you can't stop. I got to have it. Now, this is not a sin. This is an energy drink. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the bowl. So what happens is we, we start trying to reduce the things that come free, okay? But whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. That's what the Bible says. So now I'm free from the power of sin and death. However, I'm still influenced by the power of sin and death. In other words, the residue of humanity remains on me even after the blood of Christ flows through me. We have this innate desire to do what we want to do. And Paul said it best in Romans 7. Why is it that I don't do what I want to do, but I do what I don't want to do? We can see this battle is as old as mankind itself. Going back to the garden. So this is where the fear of the Lord will help us. It said they lived in the fear of the Lord. They were strengthened, encouraged by the Holy Spirit. When you fear the Lord, you have a reverence for God. You have a respect for God. You want to do the will of God. That means grace is not taken for granted because every desire you have is thought of through the filter of God. Now, let me just tell you, I, I'm a preacher. All preachers will tell you, most of them will tell you, they get up every day, they do all the, these right things. You know, there are days I get up and I get busy before I ever give time to God. I'm just being truthful with you. Um, and, and so there are times and I get, I get at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and I realize, you know what, but I'm thinking about God all day. And so my flesh wants to go, you're a horrible Christian and even a worse preacher. Okay, let me say pastor because I don't ever want to think I'm a bad preacher. Anyway, so I don't want to discourage myself while I'm trying to do it and going, oh, did I just say that? Because this message could suck. It could go whoop. Anyway, so it's fixing to get good, as they say in Texas. All right, so there are days I get up and I have to go. I have to work myself into going, Mark, this is not about your performance. God's not mad at you. But you are, you right now, if you want to access him, uh, right now, he'll, he'll give you everything he was going to give you this morning. Just continue to focus on him. You understand what I'm saying? A lot of people quit. Like, I haven't been to church in three weeks, so why go in the fourth week? I've already ruined it. I flushed my whole faith right down the toilet. I'm not even going to church anymore. I can't do it. We can't get there. And you just quit, not realizing nobody here is going to judge you. God's not judging you. You may be missing out on some things you could learn and grow in, but, but God's not mad at you. The fear of the Lord simply means I have a desire to respect and honor God, and that's what I'm going to do to the best of my ability. Hello. 
The letter of the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. So whenever you and I try, like the Pharisees did, they couldn't live up to the Ten Commandments, so they made up over 600 as they continued to try to adjust the laws that they could keep. And everybody who couldn't keep them, they would judge. If you have a fear of the Lord, you will not judge and criticize other people. Because every time you do, you're criticizing and judging who God made. When you call someone else stupid or someone else dumb, what you're saying is, God, you made a mistake with them. That means you have no fear of God because you're criticizing someone created in his image and his likeness. Now, let me just tell you, you guys know my stories on driving. It's real easy for me to call people names. I don't understand where some people get their license, how they get their license, who they paid off to get their license. All I know is they need Uber. <laughs> lift. They need a lift. <laughs> Yellow cab will do. I don't know. Just get a ride. Call your neighbor. Do something. Buy a bicycle. Get a horse. I don't know. Get out of my way. Anyway, so we all have those moments where we go, hold it, God, I know I need to reverence you and respect you because that's your child up there driving that. And, and that means I have a fear of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Until you begin to fear the Lord, you will never experience the knowledge of the Lord. Which is what? Love your neighbors, you love yourself. Someone hits you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. Those are all things that we gain from God. Don't pay back uh, evil for evil. Uh, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. All of those things are the knowledge of God that prevent us from suffering the consequences of our choice to dishonor God. It's not God punishing us. God gave us the, the book and said, if you'll do these things, great things will happen. And God's saying, I, I've opened the door for all great things to happen in your life. If you will trust me, acknowledge me, you'll have the knowledge I have. His ways are not our ways. Our ways are not his. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So what we're trying to do is access the thoughts of God. And the way you access the thoughts of God is by having a fear of the Lord, a respect or a reverence for God. That's the reason a lot of people read the Bible with doubt, never get anything out of it. But when you get born again and you start reading it, it's like you start seeing the colors of the Word of God. Why? Because you now have a reverence or a fear of the Lord, and now you have access to the knowledge of God. I could never read the Bible when I wasn't saved and get one thing out of it. Because I didn't have a fear of the Lord. I was trying to read a book that was written in a language different than the one I'd ever known. It's called The Language of Love. And when I started reading it, I didn't know love, so I couldn't read the Bible with any understanding. But when God became the center of my life and the fear of the Lord got into my heart, I could access the knowledge of God. Paul said, did you not know that we have the mind of Christ? If you have the mind of Christ, you have the capacity and ability to make decisions that God is going to endorse. I think we flipped crowds this morning. I don't know, 9.30, I mean, their decibels were way, I'm like, you guys are all sitting there like, show me something. All right, now, <laughs> Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We must trust God who gave us senses instead of always trying to make sense of everything. Problem is, we try to make sense of things, and we can't make sense of of, of, of vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, you know, forgive and you'll be forgiven. I, I, I can't make sense of that, but I know it works. I know that if I forgive, that something happens in my heart that I feel better when I forgive somebody who's wronged me. Not that any of y'all in here been wronged. I'm sure I'm the only one. 
You know, it's like there's always somebody that's going to be in your life that you're going to have to forgive. You're going to exercise the forgiveness that God has commanded because you have a fear of the Lord, a respect, a reverence, knowing that you yourself have to be forgiven. I have to be forgiven. Therefore, I have to extend forgiveness to other people. It's amazing when that happens, how your life begins to flourish and in all the gray areas of life begin to take on color and all of a sudden things begin to change in your life. It's all because of the fear of the Lord. Shame arises from the fear of man, conscience from the fear of God. So when you have a conscience, you've heard people say they have no conscience or they wouldn't have done that. The reason we have no conscience is because we have no fear of the Lord. We have a fear of man. We, we, men shame us. The only reason I'm back here is because of the fear of the Lord. I mean, the only reason I came back to this place, I was living in Texas, and, I, and then I, I was looking at moving to California. I wasn't necessarily running from y'all, but why would I want to come back to a city where my name was plastered everywhere in a negative way? But God said, I want you to go back because I'm not ashamed of you. He said, you have a conscience. I want you to go back. So... I was called. I was called. I was called names by the church that were worse than any of my neighborhood names. I mean, I'm telling you, the church can just get vicious and mean. Have you ever noticed that? We're not going to be a mean church. I tell you right now, this church is not going to be a mean church. I was called names like, and I don't care who listens to this. I am not going to be politically correct the rest of my freaking life. It's killing us. We say we measure the crowd and go, oh, should I say this? I don't do that. I just say it and let the crowd measure what I said. Because I'm going to say it. You know, I was called names like the previous church. They say, he's toxic. Well, you know what? If you call me toxic, that means you're toxic. If somebody calls you arrogant, they had the arrogance to call you arrogant. I know this is deep. You might want to get your scuba gear on. No, have you, I had a friend one time, and he's a very successful guy, and he's, he's bigger than life, and he's not afraid to say anything. He was on a board I was a president of, and, and these guys said, you know, we just can't have this anymore. He's, when we ask him to speak, he, he's so arrogant, and I, I, they said, what do we do? I said, you guys do whatever you want. I ain't doing nothing. So a guy went up to him and said, you know, I just got to tell you, you're arrogant. And my friend looked at him and said, and you're arrogant for calling me arrogant. <laughs> I thought, that's a brilliant response. So if, if you call someone toxic, you're as toxic th as them for calling them toxic. So I came back to being called all kinds of names, and I thought, you know what? But there's one name that overrides them all, child of God. Now, you can say, you know, maybe you're not as mature as somebody else. I'm fine with that. I don't ever want to grow up. I'm the Peter Pan of Christianity. I just, hold it, somebody's at my door. I may want to talk to them if they're robbing me. Yeah, you know I got broken into a couple of weeks ago, right? It's okay, I told you we're not normal. I'm just doing something that would not normally happen. I, wouldn't it be great if somebody was at my door right now? Get the, off my porch. <laughs> See, you thought wrong. I was to get the heaven off my porch. <laughs> hey, look, you're the one that chose to come. <laughs> Hear that? It's live, baby. Get off my porch. Okay. 
<laughs> Whoop, back to the sermon. All right, now. And nobody's home, but you think they are. By the way, I do have a Doberman now. Reach out and bite someone. <laughs> fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord brings wisdom. Okay, what are the different? Everybody says get wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is information you possess. Wisdom is what activates the knowledge. So if you have knowledge, you need knowledge for wisdom to work in your life because wisdom needs something to, to uh, get behind or to move on. And so if I have knowledge that I'm to love my neighbors and love myself, wisdom says you'll do that. So now you need to have wisdom. Some people have knowledge, but 1 Corinthians 8.1 says that knowledge puffs up. The only way not knowledge puffs up is when knowledge is not used for anything more than telling other people what to do. Instead of showing other people how to love. And so when you have knowledge, but you don't apply wisdom to it, it will eventually cause you to get arrogant and puffed up. And it says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 23, 15, my son, if your heart is wise, then my heart will be glad. God inspired those words. If your heart is wise, my heart will be glad. In other words, if your heart does what you know to do, my heart will be glad. My inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. Always be zealous for respect. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. What? When you have the fear of the Lord. If people don't have the fear of the Lord, they will live their whole life doing whatever they want, and they will certainly live in fear knowing that they don't know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it, and the results of doing it. So the fear of the Lord is very, very important, a respect and an honor and a reverence for Him. There are two ways that you can exercise or get wisdom one you get it by mistakes or you get it by mentors wisdom will come by mistakes or mentors and so you learn something and then you apply what you've learned simply defined trait uh, it's the trait of utilizing knowledge that's the definition of wisdom the trait of utilizing knowledge so once you know the right thing to do the bible says and you don't do it, only then does it become sin and affect your life. So when you get knowledge, God expects that knowledge to come with wisdom and that you apply that wisdom. Some of you have something against your parents or someone in the past. Now, it doesn't mean that you'll have the relationship maybe that you want because it takes both sides. But when I realized that I didn't have a relationship with my dad when I was 29 years old and felt like I was having a heart attack... I went to my dad, and my God, God told me, he said, I want, every time you see your dad, I want you to you hug him and tell him you love him. You didn't do that in my neighborhood. Men did barely shook hands, and we did it hard just to make everybody know we men. And now we fist bump because we men. Men are insecure. And, you know, we can't hug. I love you. It's weird stuff. I got a text from somebody last week, and... It was a guy that I had been working on getting him to, to church, and he finally came to church, and they've been coming. They've been it's quite a story, and, and I'd been missing them, so I texted. I said, man, I just want you to know we're missing you. And he texted back, I love you, and I thought, well, this is strange. I don't know how to respond. And so I said, I took about 30 minutes, and I said, well, I love you too, man. You know, you got to put man on the end of that. Uh, and, 
And then he shoots a text back. That was from my wife. I thought, well, I'm glad. I thought we were getting weird up in here. Uh, you know, I said, I wanted you to come to church in Jesus, but I don't expect you to love me like that. I'm going to teach you all how to do this thing. Well, hey, man, filet you're good, man. Let's have a filet and filet-o, you know. I mean, that's as deep as this is going to get right here. Okay, so anyway, uh, you know, wisdom says, if I know I'm supposed to love, I have reverence for the Lord, I will love. Number three, the fear of the Lord gives us the power to avoid evil. In other words, when I fear the Lord and respect him, I guess what? I want to do what's right. I'm not necessarily afraid of the punishment because you might be able to get by with something. But what I fear is this. I respect and honor God so much that I want to be, I want to be the child of God that he wants me to be. He's done so much for me that I want to honor and respect him. I'm not afraid of him getting mad at me. I'm not afraid of him ever not loving me. All you have to do is look at the story of the prodigal. The father represented God. The son represented fallen humanity. And, and when he took the money, the inheritance that we, God says we have as believers, when that and, and the prodigal took the inheritance that was his, spent it all and squandered it on wild living, when he was coming back down that dusty road, the father looked and couldn't wait for him to get there. He had bought him a robe. He had bought shoes. He had bought a sandal, uh, uh, sandals and, and a ring. And the father was waiting on him to return, not so he could punish him, but so that he could return to the place of blessing. God is waiting for you to return to the place of his blessing. He's not looking to punish you. He's just looking to have a relationship with you. And guess what? He already loves you, respects you, and reveres you, which is why he gave his son on the cross. He's saying, will you do that in return, and we'll have the relationship like you've never experienced in your life. That's all God's waiting on. He said, if you'll have a fear of me, a reverence, a love, an honor, and respect, he said, I've already demonstrated that to you. I'm not looking to punish you. When I went back to church at nearly 21 years old, drug addict, alcoholic, jacked up, messed up, uh, mean as all get out, a snake, and I went back to church, I, no, I thought, man, I, I, there's no way God can fix this dude. But I was so miserable. I was suicidal. I was ready to die. I would pray that I would die. I guess I just didn't have the courage to take my own life. Thank God. And, and so when I went back to church, I, I felt the love of God. It was beyond the people. I felt the love of God. God was never looking to punish me. I was punishing myself by the choices I was making. I, I didn't have access to the knowledge of God. So I had no knowledge. I had no wisdom. I had nothing to work with. But the fear of the Lord became a part of my life. And it says in Proverbs 8, 13, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. Proverbs 16, 6, through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, a man avoids evil. Romans 12, 9, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. One person said, a pessimist is one who faced with two evils chooses both. <laughs> you got to be an optimist, man. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Though my enemies come at me from one direction, they'll flee in seven. I'm telling you, you got to look and say, I cannot be defeated because greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. You just got to get these thoughts in your mind. See, that's the knowledge of the Word of God. So whenever my enemies or anybody who acts in enemy fashion starts doing that, I just look and say, you know what? It's just a matter of time before I get everything back. I'm just telling you. you no, know, you can say, man, I lost. No, I, I used to say, you guys have heard me say this. It looks like a loss, but it's a seed sown. Everything is a seed sown. I look and say, God, there ain't no way I'm not getting everything back. Everything that's ever been stolen, you said the enemy has to pay back in full seven times. So, well, when's that going to happen? 
I'm just going to keep believing because I have a reverence and, and revere God and respect God. And if God said he would do it, he's not a man that he should lie. The problem is God's not a microwave. Pop it in, pop your prayer in a minute, 30 seconds. That sucker's popped out, ready to eat. It's not the way God works. Why? Because God loves faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Every challenge you have is God saying, I'm giving you an opportunity to bring pleasure to me by exercising faith in me. That's all it is. Keep exercising faith. I keep exercising faith that y'all will keep inviting people. I mean, y'all to just, just tell them, hey, come. There's, we listen to a clown preach every Sunday. That'll get people here. You know, who knows? I might even put on a red nose if you get them here. <laughs> understand consequences, understand blessing, understand eternity. Three things you can do. Understand consequences, understand blessing, understand eternity. You know, consequences are very real to all of us. But so are blessings and, and eternity. And the fear of the Lord will turn us toward those things. Then fourthly, the fear of the Lord adds wealth and honor. Fear of the Lord adds wealth and honor. Now, most people don't understand these. You never heard these. You never read them. I mean, I'm, just, I'm not saying that in any way to be condescending. I'm just saying we skip over things and we miss a lot of real powerful teachings and words. The devil doesn't want you to know what the Bible says. You know the reason the people, that, that it's so difficult to read the Bible? It's not because you don't love God. It's because Satan is so opposed to you finding out truth that sets you free that if he can keep you ignorant, he can keep you away from the blessings of God. It's absolute truth. If he can keep you ignorant, he can keep you away from the blessings of God. So in other words, if he can keep you from knowing, if you'll forgive, you'll be forgiven. There's such freedom in that. There's such freedom in forgiving people. Is it easy? No, not really. Never said it was. But I'm telling you, it is a discipline and practice that will make your life wonderful. But if you don't know that, there will be many people who come up and say, you deserve to be angry and you deserve to be bitter. You've been treated wrong. Let me tell you all something. All of us have been treated wrong and all of us have treated other people wrong. That's just reality. I tell people all the time, just live a life of repentance. If you'll live a life of repentance, you'll experience everything that God has for you. You don't always have to be right. But you always have to obey. The fear of the Lord adds wealth. Proverbs 22, 4 says, Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth, honor, and life. Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth, honor, and life. Now, let me touch on something here because typically we look at the Bible like it is a buffet. And we go down through the Bible picking what we want instead of getting what we need. And, and the reality is that a lot of people form an opinion based on their capacity, adequacy, or inadequacies in their life. You, you base an opinion, you, you know, even on what I say. But what I, when I read the Bible, then it's no longer what I say, it's what God says, and all I'm doing is reading what he said. So the fear of the Lord means that I trust God not only with my life, with knowledge, with wisdom, and to overcome evil, but here's what I trust God with. Wealth does not come accidentally it doesn't come to a select few it comes to obedient people now when i say this wealth itself cannot be measured just in financial numbers uh one time a preacher looked at me and i had four little kids at home five and under and and i love all my, i have five children i love every one of them beyond what you could ever imagine i'd give my life for their life 
I, I've always loved my kids. And he said, you are a wealthy man. Now, at that time, you've got to understand, I didn't have a lot of money. But, man, I had a lot of kids. <laughs> that cost a lot of money. <laughs> and, but when he said that, I realized that wealth did include money. And it also included wonderful people around you. And, uh, but, but the fear of the Lord. So when the Bible says to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there might be food in my house, see if I won't open the windows of heaven, pour out such a blessing you won't have room enough to contain it all. And then he says this, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. So here's what I would say. Fear of the Lord causes me, when I get paid, I tithe immediately. When I get money, I tithe. Why? I have a fear of the Lord. Am I afraid that God's going to punish me for not tithing? Not at all. I'm afraid I'll miss out on the blessing of God if I don't tithe. That's what I'm, and give. When God says give, I'm afraid if I don't give, I'm not, God's not going to punish me. It's just that I'm just telling God, what you hold in your hand for me that I'm giving to them, you can no longer give to me because I didn't obey you and give to them. You got to understand this. It doesn't say bring the whole fifth into the storehouse. Tithe means tenth. This is bring the whole tenth or the whole tithe into the storehouse. Some people tip God. They bring a tenth, a fifth, an eighth, a third. Now, don't get mad at me. Please understand, I'm just trying to teach you the fear of the Lord. So when, when I think about money, the first thing I think about is, have I tithed this month? Have I tithed off this check? Have I tithed off this gift? Precious woman in this church just gave me another gift. I will tithe off the gift that she gave me. Why? Because that's what you do. It was a gift. came to me as a gift. Now I get to give some of that back to God. And it just keeps perpetuating the financial flow of God. Why? I have a fear of the Lord. He should bring the whole tithe in the storehouse. Given, it'll be given. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running. Are you with me? Now, so when I talk to you about tithing, I'm not trying to get you to fund the church. Because God can fund the church through numerous ways. I mean, the very guy that's renting this to us is giving us $6,000 a month. I mean, he cut 6000 off our rent coming in. God has a way of helping make things happen. But here's what I'm saying to you. I want things to happen for you, and they can't happen for you by just being in the atmosphere of the church. They have to be in you because of what's happening in your heart. And if you have a fear of the Lord, then you realize you can trust God with your money. My goodness, if you can trust him with eternity, which if you call on the name of the Lord and you think you're saved, and you are if you call on that name, if you can trust him with your life in eternity, you can't trust him with a tenth of your income. That's not good. Now, it doesn't mean God doesn't love you because God loves you as much as anybody who ties and gives over and above. God loves you. We get all caught up in this, well, if God loved, if God loved. No, God is love. He doesn't just love. He is love. But if we, in reverence to him and respect to him, and we tithe and we do what God says, what we're showing is we do revere you, God. We do respect you. We do have a fear of the Lord. And so for me, my fear of the Lord is I'm always looking for ways to forgive. I'm always looking for ways to give. I'm always looking for ways to love. And let me tell you something. I get a lot of opportunities. Without fail, I am critiqued every week. It's a part of my job. I am hated by many and loved by few. Don't care about those who do or do. Don't or do. Why? Because I can't. If you care, if you're afraid of men and you're fearful of men, you will never experience all that God has for you. And I don't say that. Some people say, well, that's so arrogant. No, let me tell you something. When you stand on stage and you've stood on stage for 30, 40 years, and you've heard everything in the book about you, you just have to get up every week and go, I'm doing the best I can, and I know God loves me, and I have the fear of the Lord that I will never quit preaching because God told me to preach. I have a greater fear of the Lord than those who call me toxic. And those who call me toxic are toxic 
or they wouldn't have called me toxic. I wish we were online right now. Anyway, I ain't mad at nobody. Fear of the Lord adds years to life and body, and I'm almost done. Fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Proverbs 14, 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning man from the snares of death. The tragedy of life is not that it ends too soon, but we wait so long to begin it. Everything I've taught today is a part of beginning to live, getting knowledge, just getting up and reading the Bible and, and getting some knowledge and learning. And I'm teaching you the Bible today. So if you take forgive and you'll be forgiven, give and it shall be given, uh, you know, love your neighbors, you love, all these are just biblical knowledge nuggets that if you will take those and apply those to your life, your life will be forever changed. If you'll see giving not as the church taking, but you simply revering the Lord, because it's not about the dollar, the hundred, the thousands, whatever it is. It's not about that. It's about your relationship with God. It's about fearing the Lord, revering the Lord, and exercising faith and proving that you do. When I came back here, it was the fear of the Lord. I didn't think anybody would show up. I really didn't. In the first, first service, we had standing room only. And I, I, I just looked at everybody. Some of you may remember this. I looked out, and I said, I feel like I'm at an NASCAR race. Some of you came to watch the race, and others came to watch me crash. Hopefully, I won't disappoint either of you. But I realized that day that there was some curiosity about what I really believed. That I really, did my life change? Was I bitter? Did I, did I, was I going to say something that would justify all the bitterness in the room and all the hurt, all the people who had been hurt like me? Or was I going to stand up and say, you know what, God's a good God. And I love everybody, and everybody's forgiven. <laughs> Roughly 65 million Americans, and listen to this. This is very important. The fear of the Lord lets me know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that the Great Commission says we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We have a, we have a job to do. We have people to reach. And the fear of the Lord tells me that that I need to do that. Not God's going to punish me if I don't preach the gospel. That's not it. I'm going to miss the blessing of God if I don't preach the gospel, if I don't tell the story. Roughly 65 million Americans say they don't attend church. This is years ago. It's more than that now. 35 million say they would if someone simply invited them. Problem is the fear of man often rises higher than the fear of the Lord. I've been working after I, I went to every one of my neighbors after I was broken into. And I said, I'm so sorry I've lived here a year and uh, I've not met but one of you. And now I, I know my neighbors and they know how many guns I have. and <laughs> got their numbers and I've given them my number. I said, call me anytime, day or night. It would be my pleasure to come and service the need should there be one. <laughs> Kneecap lead them to Jesus, and then we'll go from there. Um, but with all that levity in sight, I have to make light of it and laugh at things. If I don't laugh, you cry. So you kind of go, you know what? At the end of the day, eternity's long, life is short. I'm going to make decisions for eternity. And that's what we do today. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness, your guidance, your mercy, your grace. Everything that you bring to us, Lord, we just honor you today. With every head bowed, every eye closed, there are those of you that have not followed God. You've chosen not to, and it's because you're afraid. It's not because you're bad people. 
You're created in the image and likeness of God. You're the apple of his eye. And it's not because you're bad. You're good. The problem is that we can never be great and we can never be eternal without him. And the reason many people don't come is they're afraid of him. He's going to punish me. He's going to make me do something I don't want to do. That's not who God is. And today, the door is wide open for you to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you've yet to do that and you say, please pray for me today, I'd like to. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Just pray for me. Yes, thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Are there others? Yes, sir. Thank you. Are there others? Yes, thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Put your hands down. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. So many of you today, so proud of you. Uh, in just a moment, with heads bowed and eyes closed, in just a moment, when you look up uh, in a little bit, there's a card in the seat back in front of you that will give indication that today you've given your life to Christ. And we take that card, and we take it to our staff, and we pray for it. And then we would love to be able just to contact you and say, hey, how are you doing? Anything we can do for you? We're not going to judge you. We're not asking you to walk out of here and, and, and be perfect or different right now, just that you are different because Jesus is in, in your life, in your heart. So let's all pray this with these who lifted their hands. Say, Father God, I thank you for sending your only son to be a sacrifice for the sins in my life. Jesus, today, I want to thank you for hanging on the cross for me. Today, I repent of my sin, and I confess with my mouth, you are the Lord of my life. Amen.